the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church located in Los Angeles, California. Everything we do at Shepherd is based around John 3.14 that teaches us to lift up the name of Jesus that the world might believe. We want to come alongside you in your journey with God and help you become stronger in your faith so you can better serve Jesus and share him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today. We have been studying, if you're new, we've been studying through the book of Nehemiah. And uh, Nehemiah chapter 1 was where Nehemiah, who was a Jew born in exile in Babylon or Persia, 130 years earlier, Jerusalem had been destroyed, but he's, he's a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, and he hears a report about how Jerusalem is still in ruins after 130 years. And he weeps, and he cries, and he prays, and he asks God to show him favor. In Nehemiah chapter 2, which we looked at last week, God heard and answered Nehemiah's prayer gave him an audience with King Artaxerxes. And King Artaxerxes asked him, what do you want? And Nehemiah said, I want to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. And King Artaxerxes said, okay. And so last week we saw where Nehemiah, he travels back to Jerusalem. And the first thing that he does is he surveys the walls and he sees how they're in in utter ruin. And then he gathers some people together Uh, This is what we saw at the end of last week and said to the people, hey, let us rebuild these walls. And so now we come to chapter 3, and I hope you have your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah chapter 3. The people roll up their sleeves and they get to work. The place where they started was the sheep gate. This gate symbolizes the restoration and worship and sacrifice in Israel. The sheep gate was the gate where they brought the sacrificial animals into the temple area where they would be sacrificed for the sins of the people. It is not by accident that they start here. It speaks of the priority for God's people to worship. You have to remember, it was 130 years earlier that the Babylonians came and destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed these walls. They destroyed these gates. And now, under the leadership of Nehemiah, everything is going to be restored. And the first area they begin is the Sheep Gate. Now, this took place five, roughly 500 years before the time of Christ, which was 2,500 years ago from today. 
So they rebuild this sheep gate. 500 years later, when Christ shows up, the sheep gate is still there. So even though we're in Nehemiah 455 BC, when you come to the gospel of John, John chapter five, the sheep gate is mentioned in the gospels. And it was there at the sheep gate at the pool of Bethesda that Jesus showed mercy to a lame man. And it is very symbolic. If you study all this, that Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the lamb of God. Jesus is the door. And if there is anyone here today who needs mercy, come to the sheep, come to the sheep gate, come to the Lamb of God, and God will show you mercy. Amen. Point number two. The people who did all the work were the servants. These people all were servants. There's a list, uh, uh, if if you count all the names, there's like over 70 of them. A lot of them are the parents, they're goldsmiths, perfume makers, religious people, political people, people from in town. A lot of these people came from out of town that came to town just to do the work on the wall. Some were well-to-do, some were poor, some were male, some were female, but they all came together to build four towers, ten gates, and all the walls. Everybody grabbed a hammer, everybody had a chisel, everybody rolled up their sleeves, and the most often heard phrase as I read through that whole 30 verses was this phrase, next to, that person was this person, then next to, then next to, then next to, next to him, next to them, next to them. I have all the verses there in your, in your sermon notes, verse 5, 7, 8, 9, 10, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 27, 29, 30, 31. 18 times it says next to him was this guy and next to him was this guy they were shoulder to shoulder and isn't that how anything great for god gets done is when people come together and work together it took a hundred and for a hundred and thirty years these walls had been laying in ruined until nehemiah showed up one guy got everybody else working together And when one guy got everybody else working together, they accomplished a great task. We are better together. Number three, write this down. The people who did less, they're called the shirkers. You know know who the shirkers are, don't, don't you? Those are the people who are shirking their responsibility. We read over this, verse five. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, But their nobles, those are the leaders, the VIPs, would not put their shoulders to the work under the supervisors. Oh, there's always some people who like sitting on the sidelines. The nobles were the shirkers. The worker bees, the men from Tekoa, the worker bees, why they would fix anything. And here in verse 5, it says that they, they did their section. But if you keep reading the scriptures, you'll find... Over in verse 27, the men of Tekoa are mentioned a second time. Why is that? Well, because when they finished doing their task here, they didn't stop. They just moved on to another section because these guys would fix anything if given the chance. They just, that's what they did. The Bible makes it clear in Romans 12, 4, that this is one body made up of many members. 
And the Bible makes it clear that the members do not all have the same function. We have different functions. Ephesians 4, 7 says that God, according to his grace, that he gifts us differently. So God, I don't know how he does that, but just in his, in his love and in his grace, when he created you, he graced you with certain gifts and certain abilities. Romans 12, 7 tells us that whatever gift that you have, that you are to be using your gift. Matthew 25 tells us that God took the talent away from the one who wouldn't use his talent and gave it to those that were using their talents. Ephesians 4 verse 12 tells us that God gives us certain gifts and certain abilities and we're to use those gifts in building up the body of Christ. And that's really our role as a church is to help you and to equip you in using your gift in serving the body of Christ. And I would say that 99% of it, and that's a high percentage, 99% of it is just being willing and just being available, which leads me to my fourth point. The person that I admire the most is Baruch. He's the son of Zabbai. Now, Zabbai sounds just like rabbi, but it's got a Z. You call it Zabbai. Everybody say Zabbai. The son of Zabbai, this is in verse 20. It says, next to him, Baruch, the son of Zabbai, zealously repaired another section. Think about all the names that we've read. And there's only really one name on the entire list where they use the word to describe how he worked. Now, what kind of work were they doing? Well, they were carrying rocks, carving them, making mud, stacking rocks. Sounds a little monotonous to me, a little tedious to me, a little boring to me. Not the most exciting job in the world. This is called manual labor. You're, you're picking up heavy, dirty rocks, cumbersome, not fun. And Nehemiah, of course, he's writing all of this down. He sees Elijah working on the sheep gate. He writes that down. He sees this guy. He writes it down. He sees this guy. He writes it down. But he finally comes to a place where this guy, he's just, he's doing the same thing everyone else is doing. But Nehemiah notices there's something different about this guy. Why, this guy is acting like this is the most important job in the whole world. And what's he doing? Same thing everybody else is doing. But Nehemiah, he read this guy's doing this. Next to him, this guy's doing this. Next to this guy's doing this. This guy, what? That guy is zealously rebuilding these walls. That's the guy that I want to be. And that's the person you should want to be. Amen? I read about these geese. You know, you've all seen geese, right? And they fly in what's called a V formation. And they're all flapping. But the guy out in front, that one guy out in front, he's flapping the hardest. Why? Because he's the one taking all the resistance and everyone else is kind of drafting. Now, you may or may not know this because when we see geese fly, we just see them for a little bit because they fly so quickly, fly so fast. But people who've studied all this, they know that that front goose 
Everybody flap, just come on, flap, everybody flap. Come on, let me see. Okay, perfect. Look, 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 perfect. Lady, you're not flapping, come on. Okay, so, so scientists and, and uh, engin- engineers have studied all this. They know, they know that that front goose, he's out there flapping the hardest, but eventually he does get tired and he falls back to the end of one of those two lines and the next goose steps up. And scientists and engineers who've studied all this have learned that a group of geese, a flock of geese can fly 72% farther than what one goose can fly all by himself. The point is, don't be a shirker, be a flapper. And be the best flapper you can be. I honestly thought about asking you as you leave church today, just everybody walk outside doing this. But I didn't want to confuse the people driving by who already think that we're crazy. But as we close, I want to give you my last point. The people who persevered. This is a lesson of a lifetime. The person, the people who didn't quit. This is true in every area of life, they're the ones who are successful. I want you to write this number down. It's two digits, but, but one number, the number 52. It took them 52 days to rebuild these walls. The whole project was done in 52 days. Now, what chapter are we in? Three. Next week, chapter four, you just need to know, is, it's, it's just, a, they faced a lot of opposition. Chapter five... Everybody got fearful. Do you know anyone living in fear right now? Like half the world. Chapter 6, more opposition. And yet it says in Nehemiah 6 verse 15 that at the end of 52 days, in spite of the opposition in chapter 4, in spite of the fear in chapter 5, in spite of the opposition in chapter 6, Nehemiah 6 verse 15 says, at the end of 52 days, the project was complete. And it's all because people didn't quit. They didn't give up when the opposition came. They didn't come up, they didn't quit when people got fearful. But there's two more words I want you to write down. This is very important. The words build and repaired, or you can put built, but build and repaired. In the Hebrew language, these are perfect tenses which denote a completed action. It's an important point that signifies that every person, then they were assigned and they were working on their wall, that they stayed and they finished their task. I think of the words of Jesus in John 17 when Jesus said, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. I think of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 who said, I have finished, uh, I have kept the faith. Now the Bible, and I want to switch thoughts for just a moment, but please stay with me. The Bible is historically accurate. If it wasn't true historically, it wouldn't be true morally. It's true logically, it's true spiritually, yes, it's true morally, but the Bible is also true historically. That's part of the reasons why we know and believe 
that the land belongs to Israel. They've been over there. We're studying a text from 2,500 years ago. They were there. It's a no-brainer. One of the most moving moments, whenever you travel with us to Israel, and we go over to Israel uh, every, every couple of years, and you know, you travel, it's, it's, it's just a stunning place. You learn so much. Um, you know, we're looking at one story in the Bible. We're looking at one time period. But when you're, when you're over there, they, they're always saying, this happened here, and this happened here, and hey, here's a big pile of rocks, and that's what happened here, and this happened here. And it it's always happens. The guide will, will be walking through the Jerusalem, and they'll go, you see that big pile of rocks? Those are the walls of Nehemiah. And the group, you get, you get so much information, it's just like, you just keep walking. But me, whenever the guide says, those are the walls of Nehemiah, I always stop. And I look at those, I look at those rocks, and I think, those, those rocks have been there for 2,500 years. And it proves that this book is the Word of God. There's a woman named Kathleen Kenyon. And Kathleen happens to be one of the greatest archaeologists in the entire world. She's done a lot of work in Jericho. She's done a lot of work in Jerusalem. We know from the scriptures that this wall was solidly built. It was three meters, which is about nine feet wide. We know that through scriptures. When you and I read Nehemiah 3, we just kind of skip over things. But imagine an archaeologist reading this who digs for a living in Jerusalem, a woman who's an archaeologist. And what she had discovered as we read through this and you can go back and read it. Remember, it was this guy, and he was next to this guy, and he was next to this guy. Well, there was another word in there. It was either they build or they rebuilt. They build or built or they rebuilt through the whole text. Well, this woman, as an archaeologist, she went back and she studied all this. And what they learned was up, up to the very top on the northern side and the western wall all of that was built on top of a foundation, which means that everything up on the top and on the west was rebuilt, repaired. Everybody say repaired. I'm confusing myself. But the things on the eastern edge, remember the Kidron Valley? And if you've ever get there, it's not like a little valley. I mean, it's a steep drop-off. Well, on the eastern side, they never, as the archaeologists have dug, they haven't found any foundations, that everything on the eastern side was just built. You say, well, that's a little detail. Oh, it's not just a little detail. As you read through this and you study it, you learn that archaeologists have proven that everything that is written here actually took place. Now if you go over to Jerusalem on the southern side of the 
Temple Mount. It's a very steep hill that goes down to the city of David. You cannot believe how much they're digging down there. And as you go and walk through, all over that place are the walls of Nehemiah. And on the northern side and the western side, there are walls that have been rebuilt. And the sides on the east are things that were just put there by scratch, just up from the ground. We're studying walls. Some have been repaired and some are just being built. And the God that repaired and built those ancient walls is alive and well today. There are people all over this room where God is having to repair your life because you got so far off track Your life is in so disarray, it's like your life is ruined, and you think, well, God could never restore me. Oh, listen, if God can restore those walls, He can restore your life here today. Mm -hmm. And if you're here, and this is all new to you, and you don't know anything about God, anything about church, you don't know, listen, God is here to begin to build within you a life that will be pleasing to him and to place salvation in your heart that will be there for all of eternity. So even though we're looking at walls, it relates to each and every person wherever you are here spiritually. God can rebuild your world and rebuild your life. Let's bow our heads for just a word of prayer. God, thank you for Nehemiah 3. Uh, There's a bunch of names. I, I think it speaks to the truth, God, that you know our name those people together from all walks of life to do a good work that you call all of us here together today to do a good work as well. The church of Jesus Christ is the bride of Christ. And we know that right now, right now, you've gone off to heaven and you are there preparing our heavenly home. And in the meantime, God, you've placed us here on this section of the wall. Every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. And we're here today working side by side. God, I know that you will be with us and that we will be successful as we honor you in word and deed. Bless every man, bless every woman, every boy and every girl. Bring us back safely next week, God, I ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. 
Deep in the heart of every believer, there's a faint whisper, a call, a prompting. We go about our business and we hear it. We see and interact with lost people every day, and the whisper echoes again for us to share our faith and tell others about Jesus. And yet, we still resist. In his latest book, Compelled, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shares his earnest desire for each and every believer to be equipped with the good news of salvation. He encourages you with inspiring stories of men and women, young and old, who have accepted the irresistible call to share Jesus with everyone they meet. And he provides practical methods to overcome your fears and effectively articulate the message of salvation. Thousands of readers have already taken advantage of this incredible book, and now it's here for you. Compelled. The irresistible call to share your faith can be yours right now for a gift of $15 or more to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. It's as easy as calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get Compelled, The Irresistible Call to Share Your Faith on our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover for yourself the strength that awaits inside you to speak boldly to others of how Jesus Christ has changed your life forever. Don't hesitate. Call us right now and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's latest book, Compelled, The Irresistible Call to Share Your Faith, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at the same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.